It's Wednesday, February 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker, and from Motley Fool One, Brian White. Good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thank Thanks you, for being here in an unbelievably cold studio. <laughs> I don't know what's going who, on. I don't know who was in here previously, but the uh, uh, snowmen. Uh, yeah, I think Frosty might have been shooting some video in here because it's about 48 degrees in this studio. We will soldier on, though. We've got some earnings to talk about. We've got. An interesting report in the retail industry, and we will dip into the full mailbag. Let's start with a couple of restaurant chains reporting earnings, Panera and Potbelly. Panera, fourth quarter profits higher than expected, but they already lowered guidance on the first quarter, and we'll get into why in just a second. Uh, Potbelly shares down about 10% this morning uh, after reporting a fourth quarter loss that is compared to a profit a year prior. But let's start with Panera, Bill. This is pretty interesting, I think, because they are coming out and blaming the weather for Q1. This is why we're lowering guidance. We're blaming the weather. And frequently, when a company blames the weather, the stock gets punished. But shares of Panera are up about 3% this morning, which tells me that people are giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I think think that establishments that deserve the benefit of the doubt, uh, not selecting... Panera out um, individually for that, but restaurants, you know, uh, there are a lot of places in the Midwest and the Northeast where legitimately, if you're a, a you know, cash flow business where the day's sales either happen on that day or never, um, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a pretty legitimate excuse when people can't get to your store. For a lot of other businesses where the, the sale may happen later in the quarter, if they happen at all, um, you know, something like a Best Buy, uh, something like that, they're not going to have as much leeway on blaming things on the weather. The weather is going to affect uh, the days of, of sales for them. But, you know, for Panera, if, if they don't sell you a bagel and coffee that morning, you're, you're not coming by tomorrow, you know, and getting two. Yep. You might, Chris. Point. You know, I right? might if I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean? Well, let me rephrase that. I I think this, in some way, gives investors uh, a marking point because I look at this. I was surprised that they got the benefit of the doubt to the point where the stock is up a bit this morning. And one of the thoughts I had was, well, I guess now we're going to see. What investors think of a whole lot of companies, because we're going to see no, a great point. we're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah. And there are some companies where they're going to fall in the Panera category. Yes, we'll give you the benefit of the, of the doubt, and others where it's just like, no, we're calling BS on this, and no, we're we're not giving it to you. Yeah, I, I think Bill brought up a great point that, that you know it, Panera has shown you know Panera's been a great operator, and Panera you know is heavily focused in areas where the weather was you know, terrible. And, and for the most sake, you know, you don't want to go outside when the weather is that way. And I think the benefit of the doubt here is probably a smart thing. You know, if you sell Panera off because of this, you're likely going to have people come in and buy shares. So it, I think the ones that don't get the benefit of the doubt, there's other issues, right? And this is just, this will be additive. So if they come out and report and blame it on the weather, the other issues and then the weather, it'll be additive to it. It'll be more about other underlying issues about those companies that don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Where are things with potbellies? Because that stock (laughs) is getting hit. And it was, I mean, to Panera's credit, they did have a slightly better than expected profit that they reported for their fourth quarter. Potbelly's fourth quarter was just a mess. 
Pop Belly is is almost half owned by VCMP uh, private equity. And, uh, you know, they come out of typically these kinds of businesses, they come out in the public market and it's, you know, full foot on the gas in terms of growth. And right now, the story that's trying to be the story that's being sold to share to investors is this is a growth company. I when I think of Pop Belly, I don't think of growth company i don't know what do you think bill what- I, you know there's same same source sales were uh you know barely positive uh, and you compare that to the things that it would like to be compared with right you know triple oh this could be another you yeah. know kind of thing like that and it, it's not going to be it's a sandwich shop and there are a million of those and it's one of them yeah that was that's the way we treat it here <laughs> you know i mean i mean when we're going out to lunch and all there are around us is sandwich shops yep. and we never go to pot belly you never go to pot belly i go in I, the summer because i like the milkshakes yeah i i that's don't it. actually hold uh, the same grudge against their sandwiches <laughs> that you hold for whatever reason um but it's just another sandwich shop right i mean there is nothing special about pot belly i'm sorry to say to all the you know the d- devoted pot belly uh uh, diners out there and, and employees and all that. But it, it, I think it, it makes a decent sandwich, but so do a million other places. And that was the thing that astonished me when they went public last year, Brian, because the stock shot up. Yeah. And certainly there were plenty of companies where the stock shot up on the opening day. But I remember saying here, wait a minute, they're still selling just sandwiches, right? They're not, they're not selling some high margin. They, to- they toast them. <laughs> So is this which is nice. I mean, I, I think that that is I, you know. Well, they sold a growth story. You know, ten percent unit growth, twenty five, thirty percent earnings per share growth. You know, in the quote, I think from management in the press release I saw was for a very, very long time. And I just don't view Bob Belly in that kind. of I mean, it could be a good operator and everything, but <clears throat> I think there's. I think any t- you should be as an investor, you should be cautious anytime pub- a company comes public with heavy, heavy. Uh, VC or private equity uh, ownership, because <clears throat> typically they're like, you know, they want to sell a growth story. They want to see the stock pop and eventually they'll get out. And the question is, are you going to be the ones that come in and buy their shares? And so you have to believe in the growth story. For Pop Belly, I just, I, it doesn't resonate with me as a big growth story. Let's move over to retail. An analyst at Credit Suisse has published a report making the case for Walmart buying family dollar and just to put some numbers around this walmart market cap of 242 billion which whose laptop was that that was mine i was i was bringing up the report so that i could comment intelligently on something you're just going to speculate on i think just to break uh, down the fourth wall here long time listeners know know exactly what to expect from me and that is just rampant speculation uh walmart 242 Billion dollar market cap, family dollar, only a seven billion dollar market cap, although the stock did outperform Walmart's over the last years. Certainly, if Walmart wanted to, I guess they have the capital to come in and make this acquisition, but just on the surface of it, I this just seems odd to me. Why, if you're Walmart, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you even considering this? And by the way, Family Dollar was very quick to come out and say, we're not in talks with Walmart on any level whatsoever. But is this a way to get growth for Walmart, which, let's face it, from the standpoint of the stock, it really hasn't done a whole lot 
of growing over the last five years. Yeah, I mean, and the reason that you're so confused about this and is because you you haven't read the report. You don't know what's right. in there, right? So, and, and I have, and I can't call it up right now because of the internet that you seem to have here in the studio has been. <laughs> Destroyed by the cold, I suppose, and that's not not working. Um, but I I read the report because I like to do some research before appearing on your show, unlike you know yourself. And and the reason that they were giving is that this would fill in some holes for Walmart. When you think Walmart, this is a place that people go for uh, large scale shopping to to stock up on things. Uh, and that fi- family dollar is more of a fill in. You you drop in for a few items. You don't tend to go to Walmart for uh, a, a hand basket full of things, but but for a, a full shopping cart full of things. And family dollar would would fill in uh, the hole the, that Walmart has for a lot of that. And in terms of also geographic coverage, uh, family dollar is more uh, located in urban centers. Uh, or at least a number of their stores are, and they don't have a lot. And, and Walmart is more got the sort of rural coverage, uh, so it's it's filling in some very some holes both in uh, the geography of, of Walmart's operations and in the way that people shop. So that's that's the theory for why it would it would make sense to combine. And also, you know, Walmart uh, has generally gone out in you know in in domestically. Has, has built its own operations and uh, for foreign operations, it's made acquisitions. So it hasn't really made acquisitions here uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, d- to do its growth. Uh, that's that's the theory. Whether you know this is something that Walmart is interested in, or whether this is something the analyst is interested in uh, making people think about, so that the investment bank side of the operations can help with you know some sort of M and A on that. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a uh, there's a logic to the presentation, whether it's got any interest uh, to Family Dollar or any of the other dollar stores uh, or Walmart is, you know, anybody's guess. Yeah, I think the price would have to be right for Walmart because, I mean, you could spin a story where you can improve the margins through Family Dollar, through uh, Walmart's purchasing power and their distribution and everything. So I think if the price is right, it could be, you know, a decent pick up, but the price would have to be right. And in a market like today, I, I doubt the price is currently right, especially if you pay a premium for what the for for what family dollars trading for now. It would make more sense probably in a market where, you know, stocks aren't doing so well. You could probably snap it up for a decent price, uh, you know, over the course of three years, improve margins and you can make a case to make the acquisition. We talked yesterday about Coca Cola and their latest earnings and like Coca-Cola, Walmart is an enormous, successful business that is not going away anytime soon. And yet, when I think about Walmart, the stock, I think about it in kind of the same way as I do Coca-Cola in that I'm not really sure what the thesis is for buying in right now. Certainly, if you're a longtime shareholder of either of those companies, you've probably done pretty well. But Walmart... What should investors be thinking about Walmart, the stock, if, for example, a financial advisor comes to them and says, "Hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna move you into Walmart here. It's safe. It's stable. You're gonna get a dividend, et cetera, et cetera." Is that is that really the best case scenario in terms of a a thesis for buying Walmart? That is yes. That's yes. Is it, but that did, you you could do this for a living. You could, <laughs> but you it could put even, stocks in people's portfolios through a brokerage. By yeah, I love it. 
But it doesn't even sound all that exciting. Like, it's like, really? That's the best case scenario? My stock isn't going to disappear? You know what? Yeah. That is historically an investment thesis. This thing is yeah. a safe place for your money. It will pay you some dividend. It will you know, buy back a few of its shares you know, with all the, the enormous amounts of cash that it, that it generates from its business. Uh, not all investment theses are revolving around here's 10, 15, 20% growth. This is more of a, you know, this is Exxon. This is already on every, you know, corner. This is already known to you, and this is a safe place for you to keep some of your money, and, and it will be around. And, you know, it, it's trading at a, a PE, forward PE of about 12, and, and so that doesn't seem overvalued, and, and that is more than enough for millions of people to get behind. And think, and think about the hurdle, Chris. I mean, to do about a 15% a year return for, say, about a five-year period, you need about double the size of your business. And Walmart's a $240 billion company, so what it needs to do to double its business, is that's a huge hurdle. You can email us. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Uh, kind of an email from Tom Kramer, regarding our discussion yesterday about President's Day. He writes, Hi, Chris. I just got done listening to the show on my commute home here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I listen most days and love it, so thank you for that. Um, You forgot to tell everyone why George Washington is so popular in Alexandria. As you know, it is largely because his home, Mount Vernon, is only about 10 miles down the road. I grew up about halfway between Full HQ and Mount Vernon, so I know the area well. Uh, It's a great point. Yes, he had his regular home in Mount Vernon. He had a city home here in Old Town, Alexandria. And as I was telling you guys before we started taping today, yes, this is uh, this is ground zero for people who are pretty adamant that what we celebrate is not President's Day. It should not be called President's Day. It is George Washington's birthday. And in fact, I went to the website that I mentioned yesterday, and there was an open letter from James Reese, who is the executive director at Historic Mount Vernon, and the letter is entitled, Why Today is Not President's Day. Right. I mean, the federal holiday is Washington's birthday. And there are those of us that grew up uh, long enough ago to remember that Lincoln's birthday got its own holiday. Oh, yeah. In some states, but not all states. Not all states felt that Lincoln's birthday was worth celebrating <laughs> by taking a day off. But we had two separate days. I grew up in one of those yeah. states, and we had yeah. two days yeah, off. Yeah, one yeah. was Lincoln's birthday, and one was Now, Washington's I don't birthday. know which of these states there are that didn't think Lincoln was you know, worth celebrating, but uh, Pennsylvania was not one of them. Pennsylvania <laughs> was a state that, that honored Lincoln with a day off. And to get around, you know, some of this uh, d- dichotomy, uh, some states sort of combined everything. So uh, Washington's birthday is a federal holiday, but not necessarily a state holiday. The states can, you know, make up their own holidays, and some of them, you know, combined it. Uh, Virginia is not one of those states. And you were saying auto dealers, you know, pushing auto the dealers. sales. Sure. Yeah. They, they're, they, they're appealing to all kinds of presidents. <laughs> All kinds, but not all. I mean, whichever president you like to celebrate on this. God day, bless. You know, buy a car. God, <laughs> God bless Millard Fillmore. But I don't think there's like a a big Millard Fillmore sale going on. Um, question from Brian Reich or Reich. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, with a question about diversification, he writes: I've received a large number of shares of a single company from my grandfather that has grown considerably over time. It's now 62 percent of my portfolio. I receive thirteen thousand uh, 
$1,000 in shares every year from him, and I also reinvest dividends, which are significant at this time, about $11,000 a year. I feel like I'm overinvested, but on the other hand, I hear on your show about sticking with a company so long that your thesis remains true. At what point does one ignore even a good thesis to rebalance an unbalanced portfolio? One strategy I've been considering is slowly divesting by funneling dividends into other securities instead of reinvestment. Great question. Can we all agree that Brian has among the best possible problems an investor? (laughs) Here's my problem. First world problem. I'm getting (laughs) so many shares. So this is a good problem to have, but. At at what point? But it could be a problem before sixty two percent is yeah. is where uh, typically, yeah, diversification would come into play, uh, and it depends on on what you're comfortable with. Look, sixty two percent that's that's a lot of eggs in one basket. Um, so, I don't know if any level of of the concern is uh, betraying one's one's grandfather here that this would in some sense be going against his wishes to own less of, of this gift, uh, but it, it can just be translated into uh, other stocks or, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a broad uh, basket of, of uh, stocks through a, uh, an index fund or something like that uh, to, you know, lessen the risk. I mean, there's a lot of risk in holding that much in one stock, whatever it is. Yeah, sixty-two percent. You're making a big, big, big bet and a big statement, and you better know this company. <laughs> better, 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 better. Have an optimis- optimistic uh, outlook for this company, and, and, and I think in this case, at least what I assume is is you know, this is a company that you inherited, you know, through shares from your from your grandfather. You may not know the company all that well. It's probably a company that that's that's you know at least well known. Um, on the face, you know the name of the company. It's probably I don't know. I don't. I don't want to throw out any uh, like a Microsoft or something like that. But it, it's a cigarette manufacturer. It could be an Altria. Yeah, That's what I was probably. thinking too. On the drive in, I was thinking you know, you know, well, this is an Altria. But the story has likely changed since your grandfather built a big stake in this company. So definitely update yourself on the story. And, and, and 62 percent is just you. You know what you done? You, you've just you've just comple- completely rebalanced your you, you've. You've taken on you've taken on a, a lot of risk. Let's put it that way. The downside risk most likely outweighs the upside. At a minimum, it sounds like you're you're both saying, "Look, stop reinvesting dividends into this stock." That's a bare minimum. I mean, that's that's a yeah. I mean, if it's causing concern, that's one reason. That that's sort of reason enough yeah. uh, to you know the the additional. Money that is being gifted here is surely designed to improve uh, your life and your comfort level. And if at some level it's not because it's it's too much in one thing, then you know follow the intention of the gift and and give yourself peace of mind by I being more diversified. That's a great point. I mean, I think the intention of the gift. Yeah, I think if you want to act towards the intention of the gift, it would be to kind of spread it out. Yeah, and make the intention sure it of the lasts. gift probably is yeah. not to own as much of one company as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. We we don't know enough. Yeah. But it seems like a logical case. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill Barker, Brian White, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.